Right, good evening. I don't know where the rest of the crew is, but to God be the glory anyway. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus is, is, is on the throne with his Father. He's doing amazing things. During this time of this book that we're about to go into, the gospel has been settled in a region of Turkey called Galatia. And it's a little bit further east than the seven churches that are listed in Revelation, but not so far east that Paul, on his first missionary journey, actually visits some of the cities that's in Galatia. Okay? And nobody really knows what all that stands for, but one of the things that we're going to see here is that it is a brand new church, and somehow some so-called other teachers came down from Jerusalem. Well, in that case, what they had to go up um, to Galatia and began to teach this new church that faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ cannot save you, but they also must be circumcised, meaning putting them back under the bondage of the law, keeping the law. Well, Jesus came to rescue them from the law. And in himself, in his own body, he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. And this is one time that you all are actually going to see the cross and the law side by side. And you're going to see where one points to you and say you're a sinner and that you need to be saved. And the other one saying, I have saved you. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the center of this book. And at the closing out of this book, it's not a very long book, it's only six chapters. At the closing out of this particular book, we also see the magnificent characteristic of the Holy Spirit and how he operates. And Paul described the, the heart of the Holy Spirit as fruit of the Spirit. Okay, not fruits of the Spirit, but fruit of the Spirit. And under that fruit comes many different types of love, disciplines, behaviors, and gifts. And we know that how many fruits are there? Well, wait till you get to it in chapter 5. It's not the same as the fruits of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Spirit? It is that. Oh, okay. But fruit is a... It's in the singular, not, not in the plural. It's in people... Because it's one, many in one. You got it. Like, oh. what, what you see is that because of the nine different types of things that the Spirit does, people have the tendency to group those when they say fruit of the Spirit. They say fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> when that's not actually accurate. It's fruit of the Spirit. And here's the thing that you need to know about that, and I'll just give you a little brief taste of it. Every believer is give, given the, the fruit of the Spirit when they're born again. So people say, well, I need to pray for the fruits of the Spirit. And notice how I said that S, because that's typically how they say it. No. It's been given to you as a gift of God when the Holy Spirit came in you. Because when he come in you, he come with everything who he is. Amen? Amen. Amen. And therefore, you already embody those things. You just now got to tap into yourself by him and bring them what? Out. And so it's amazing when you look at that. And, 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 and Ms. Vicki, what also blows my mind is that for someone who appears to be so silent is yet is so powerful and speaks volumes. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit himself. Because we, we are not accustomed to having a conversation with him. Like you and I talk and he talks right back to us. You know, he doesn't really care that kind of conversation with us often, but he does speak. He really, he talks. Most of the time we're distracted. And he doesn't talk to us as our five senses like to detect him, right? 
He talks to us how? Yeah, and what's another word for heart? Spirit. Spirit. You got it. He's talked spirit to spirit. So can you hear your spirit talking? No. What you hear is that when the spirit speaks, my five senses activate what we call the vocal cords, right? And then you hear the audible sound when I talk. That's how you know what's going on in, inside of me if I reveal really what's happening with me, right? But with him, he doesn't touch your vocal cords like that unless, of course, he's giving you a word of prophecy to tell. Am I right? So he speaks directly spirit to spirit. And you'll know it's him. Okay? Am I making any sense, young people? Because y'all look like y'all ready to go to sleep back there. I know you got out. We will cut off early today, not 7.30, because y'all have school. Y'all got up at 6.30 this morning. All right. Huh? It's nothing. Um, giving God the glory. Here's, here's what we're, we're going to do is that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're absolutely going to keep Jesus the center of the church in everything we do. So tonight, you must see Jesus in the scriptures of this letter called Galatians. You must see him. And while you're here studying, you must know that his presence is here. And he's directing this teaching for us. Because he's He's going to come out with a very powerful, powerful punch in the opening part of this particular book. And he has to drive his point home very severely because people's lives are at stake here. Their eternal destination is at stake here. And so what, he come, what he's going to come out and say is very critical that you pay attention because what happened nearly 1,500 years ago with this church is really no different today. It's people coming with false doctrines, false teachings, and they're, mis they're misleading people about how they're to be saved, how they're to get to God in heaven. And they often try to omit Jesus. And sometimes, I'll give you this fancy word, and then Ms. Vicky will lead us in prayer. I love it when she does. Um, there's a thing called synthesis or synth synthesis. I'm getting tongue-taught. Synthesis or synthesism, that's the word I was looking for, takes place when someone takes a little bit of another religion, a false teaching, and they mix it in with Christianity. They mix it in with the scriptures. And they tell you this is the gospel truth. And they build doctrines and belief systems on this, and they teach this to people. And unless you know the word of God, you would know that those things were false because it's been so ingrained through tradition, being taught from generation to generation, and no one ever challenges them because no one really pays attention to the scriptures. Why? Because we're lazy people. We want to go and be preached to rather than opening up the word, reading for our, ourselves. And so that's why we encourage you while. Didn't you, like a while back, didn't you say that they tried to um, put Christianity and Islamic together? And yeah, they're still in the working. And I, and I tell you, that, that, that philosophy <laughs> is going to send a lot of people to the lake of fire because it's going to mislead a lot of people. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the only way in which men can be saved. Amen. The only way, I don't care how fancy this so-called putting Islamic and Christianity together uh, may appeal to people, the truth of the matter never changes. God has not changed anything about having sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. There's no way that God is going to ignore the fact that his son was beaten and crushed for us like that. No, God is not going to change his mind about that. And neither will the Son. And neither will the Holy Ghost, who appeal to men's heart and draw them to hear the gospel and help them turn their hearts to Christ. It's just not going to change. Regardless of popular demand within a culture. 
It's not going to happen. So with that said, Miss Vicky, we'll go around the room and pray as the Spirit laid on you all heart. Someone please pray for Jerusalem. Someone please pray for the lost in hot springs. Yes, Father, we come before you this evening. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts. Father, we pray for the lost and the husband. We thank you for our church, our building that we're going to have. Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters that are going to visit us next Sunday. Thank you for our children that come to the church, Lord, to hear your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit for teaching the word through our pastors. And this evening, open our hearts. Open the ears to our hearts, Lord, to receive the word. Dear Lord, we just come here before you as the body of Christ to open our hearts and our minds to understand and receive the word that you have for us today. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have, right now we have little and we want to be faithful with little so that you can give us much and we will be faithful with much. Yes, Lord. Help us to grow and know what things you, we need to do now to prepare ourselves for the great gifts that you have in store for us and the growth that you have in store for us. Help us to prepare ourselves to receive the people that are coming to worship at our church. And Father, we just, we praise you for the things that you are planning to do for us. Yes, Lord. We thank you and we give you all the glory Jesus' name. Our Father, just in heaven, thank you for allowing us to wake up in the morning. And thank you for healing the people that are sick around the world and helping the families out that need to be helped and families that, even though they don't know your name or how you work, you still help them in very wonderful ways. And I pray that people will understand or have better understanding of how, who you are as a spirit and how, how they get to know your love and be saved freely. Kayla? Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Um, I pray for Miss Tamir and for Marquise and Zora and for Beta Mobile. And I pray we have a good game at school tomorrow for the last the lost in high springs. Matthew. Thank you for the day. Thank you for allowing all of us to see another day today. I hope we get to tomorrow. And I pray for everyone. And I pray for the mystery that we all we all get good grades. And I pray for the new building. And I pray for the lost most things in Jerusalem. Scholar boy.
Scholar girl. Father, what glorious day it is to be your children and to glorify you as our God. And we know, Father, by your Son, Jesus, and the writing of all the holy prophets and affirming us by the Holy Spirit that you are the only true God. And your Son, Jesus, is the only Savior of the world. And we thank you, dear Lord, for forgiving us of our sins through the blood of Jesus. Lord, forgive us and wash us white as the snow. Help us to keep our minds steadfast on you, regardless of what's going on in our country and around the world, Lord. We know that your people are praying and seeking your face, Lord. And Father, we're asking that you help us to be the shining light here, to be your witness, Lord Jesus, to help proclaim your gospel to the world. And Lord, tonight as we look intensely into your holy scriptures, we ask, Lord Jesus, as you said, they're the ones who testify of you. And as Paul, by the Holy Ghost, is writing this letter to this church, Lord, even though this, this occurred many hundreds of years ago, we're praying, Father, that by your Spirit we'll see the power of it even for today in our midst. And that we have to make adjustments in our lives and make changes in our understanding and belief in you. And Lord Jesus, help us to do so, Lord, and help us to walk worthy before you as children of heaven. And Lord, as you are not of this world, Lord Jesus, you said, neither are we. And so, Lord, we thank you. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We ask, dear Lord, that you will awaken them by the Spirit to believe that Messiah Jesus has already come and that they're to place their trust in him. And Father, we thank you for these United States, and we ask that you pour out your spirit upon us. Have a great movement of your spirit here, Lord, bringing men and women and boys and girls to your son, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we know that you will in no wise cast us out. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that's been said and done and all the prayers we touch and agree with them, Lord, that you have heard our prayers and that you're going to answer them. Thank you now, Lord, as you prepare a way now that your name will be proclaimed even further. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Galatians. I think I'll start off with the King James. Paul, an apostle, not a man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. What does apostle mean? Come on, voice it out. Take, 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 take a guess. Tell us what's on your heart. Follower, teacher. Follower, teacher. A prophet. A prophet. A student. A student. Anybody else? Okay. It comes from the Greek word apostolos. Right here. One above it. Yeah. That. <clears throat> this is men. This is apostolos. That, that's it. It means one who is sent out. The sent out one. Sent out by God the Father and Jesus Christ. It means it's almost like you ever heard the term emissary? But today we don't usually use the term emissary. We use ambassador. Okay. So he would be a modern-day ambassador for Christ going to the nations. Does that make sense? So he said, I've been called to be the sent out one by God and by the Lord Jesus Christ. And not by men, but God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead and all the brothers which are with me unto the churches of Galatians. So he has a team of brothers with him. And they're being sent where? To the churches in Galatia, that part of Turkey that we had talked about earlier. And they're going for a purpose. And he's going to tell us what that purpose is. 
okay? And why is that important for us to know? That men and women who are being sent by the Holy Spirit, who are being commissioned by the Holy Spirit, we are being sent out by God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. So, and uh, verse 3, he said, grace, to, grace be to you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Zora, you'll probably hear this at the University of Mobile, and I'm sure you will in chapel. Kairos, the word grace. Irene, the word peace. Okay? So you'll hear those two sisters. Grace and Irene are God's favorite children in the church. I just gave you the Greek names. Okay. Okay, Kairos is grace. Verse 3? Yes. Grace be to you. Kairos be to you. And, and Irene. These are two girls' names? No, 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 no. Oh. Well, typically girls are the ones who are named yeah. with these. Grace and Irene. Okay. Kairos is grace. Irene is peace. Oh. In Greek. In Greek. Okay. Okay. Kairos is grace. The grace of God. And Irene is the peace of God. Peace. So Paul saying, grace to you, was favor from God, and peace from God to you. Which is absolutely wonderful. That's I was just being a little theatric by saying the two sisters coming to you. God's two favorite daughters in the church. Grace and Irene. Uh, peace. Okay. Okay? <laughs> she finally called it. Shirley. <laughs> Shirley? <laughs> oh, Shirley from the 23rd Psalms. Shirley, mercy and grace shall follow me. Yes. So Shirley or Shirley? <laughs> okay. Good comeback. So grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for what? Who gave himself for our what? Sins. For our sins. People, that seals it right there. The entire book is wrapped around that statement. That is the theme of this book. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. Okay? And he goes on to tell us that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Has it changed? Is it still evil? Yes. According to the will of God and our Father. So God commissioned Jesus to deliver us. Because remember, it's the will of God that no men should perish but come to repentance. Okay? And remember when Paul was on uh, at, at Athens on Mars Hill, he said God command men everywhere to do what? Repent. 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 Come out of sin. Is that something new, everybody? No, because the first offspring of Adam and Eve, what was his name? Who was the offspring of Adam and Eve? Cain. The first offspring. Okay? Cain. He was the first human that God talked to about what? Sin. He says sin crouches at the door and is waiting for you. But you must master it. Otherwise, you be its master, not it be your master. You tell sin what to do. Sin don't tell you what to do. Okay? Pretty good stuff, isn't it? So, in verse 5, he said, To whom be glory forever and ever. So if you notice that verse 4 and 5 are what we call doxology. 
Doxologist is the Greek word, adaska is the Greek word for glory. Okay? Glory. In other words, Paul is giving God the glory in verses 4 and 5. Do you see that? And doxology simply means the study of glory, the proper translation. Okay? So this is the doxology. Paul is giving God and Jesus the glory in those two verses. In verse 6, he said, I marvel, and this is the part that you got to really get it in here. NIV say, I'm astonished, and both the King James and New King James says, I marvel. I marvel. Or in other words, I'm blown away by your actions. What are those actions that got, that got Paul's attention? What are those actions that really got this brother in Christ up in arms right now? What is it? He's going to tell us. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He said, I'm surprised at you that you moved away from God and Christ by going to another gospel. You're believing another message out there. Okay? So that meant somebody else must have come with a different message than what Paul them had preached to these people. That's why I tell you all, I feel the same way, dog. That's why I tell you all, get in your Bible, make sure I'm preaching what I'm supposed to be preaching. It is saying what I had said it said. Okay? And that you understand the words that are written. And if I have said something differently, come back and do what to me? Challenge me. Make me prove it from the scriptures that I'm right with what I'm teaching you. Stay on top of me. Just don't say amen, brother. Know that what I'm telling you is the truth. And if I err, and I hope the Holy Ghost will get me, and he have, he have had me come back to y'all and say, hey, I messed up on that one. And you all have heard me say that before. Only once, long time ago. Oh, don't be so. But who's coming? Yeah. But, but, but the, the fact of the matter is that you cannot allow a fancy talker to come in among you and teach you something differently than what the Holy Ghost had these brothers teach you. And that's what this whole matter is about here. That's what got this brother so upset with this young church. And he said, I, I marvel that it, it's, it happened so quickly. And you I mean, and you allowed it. I mean, he's basically saying, you just got saved. And all of a sudden, now you want to believe another way to salvation? So remember I told you all he was going to hit them hard early? Is <laughs> he hitting them hard? Can you put number seven to the, oh, God bless you. Oh, man, I love this kid. So the reason why I'm putting it to you from the King James side, I, I feel the language is stronger, and you need to hear it from a strong language, Okay. And so he says, which is not another gospel. So if you put down number six, you would have kind of seen what he was saying there. He said, I'm so surprised that you removed from him who sent you to who? To Christ. And that now you're believing in another gospel. Now he's saying, the connector there in verse seven, he said, which is not another gospel. Okay. But there be some that trouble you. Uh, some people spend their lives in the church trying to turn people in their direction. And they do it through persuasive words and words that do not line up with the pure gospel. Okay? That's why Paul, in his letter to Timothy, he said, Timothy... Study to show yourself approved to God. Another way to say it, Timothy, study so that you will be approved by God. Okay? Why? He says, so that you will rightly divide the word of truth. What does that mean? So that you will rightly understand the word of truth. Why? He said, because as a workman in the ministry of Jesus Christ, 
you will not be what? Ashamed. And if you don't think other people don't know when you make a mistake like I did Sunday, y'all remember I quoted John 3.16 and start quoting John 1.1, 1, 1, those that were there. Hmm. Oh, you said, let me get I that. gave the reference John 3.16, but I started quoting John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh -huh, and you then I caught my, I said, well, oh my goodness. I, just, I caught my mouth was running faster than my brain. Okay. Now, even in the opening part, I was in Acts chapter 17 rather than John uh -huh. chapter 17. Go, what the hell if I get in the right book, huh? So even preachers, we got to be very, very careful of how we do this thing because people very lives are at stake. Okay. None of us can understand consequences like this because none of us has been privileged to watch God throw a person in the lake of fire and we actually hear the screams come from that person as the flame and as the heat hit their body. None of us have ever been privileged to witness that. But I have witnessed people dying in great agony. I've seen it. Some people die with their spirits in great agony. Yeah. I think it was Pastor John Hagee. So he went to the hospital to visit a man that shared Jesus with him on his dying bed. And he told him, Preacher, I don't want nothing to do with your Jesus. And he said, before they realized, the man began to scream out while he was yet alive, Zora. Preacher, help me, for I'm being tormented in these flames. So the Lord allowed John Hager to witness. He didn't actually see the man in the flame, but he witnessed the man while looking at him, screaming in torment, and then he closed his eyes and died. Help me, preacher, I'm being tormented. And these flames. When that happens, they don't look at peace. And so, he never had it. Oh, he didn't get a chance to witness him. No, Hagar tried to witness to him. He told him he didn't want his God. And then it happened so fast. He was he gone. Saw, he saw that he. Hagar witnessed. The man leave this world and go into eternal damnation. I haven't witnessed that yet, and I hope to God I don't. But I did witness something that was very precious to me. And I wasn't saved at the time when it happened. I was 21 years old. I got a call saying one of my brothers had gotten killed. And I was stationed at Fort Meade, Maryland. That's between... Baltimore and Washington, D.C. In those days, the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. And Michael was five months old, our oldest child. And so I drove all the way down 16, 17 hours to come home to be with my family. And I remember the night before I got on the road to drive home, I had a dream. And what happened, my brother got in an argument with a guy that had broken his car and stole his battery. And my brother threatened to shoot the guy, so the guy pulled out his gun and shot my brother. Shot him in the neck. And my brother James got in his car to drive himself to the hospital. This happened in Archer. And as he was driving himself to the hospital, he died in the car. And the car turned over in front of our oldest brother's house, L.B., which you, you, you met him. And uh, when he was there, in the dream, it showed James. I, 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 rode, I drove up to the accident site, and I remember the car, just as clear as day. He had a 1966 Ford Fairmont. Fairlane, I mean, you remember what that car looks like. 
And it was pretty. It, it really had the metallic color, the brown and the, and the beige, the two-tone one. It was really pretty laid out. But the car turned over. James is dead. And James is about this tall and about this wide. Make me look like that. But he was strong. And uh, in the dream, I walk up to him and he's standing by the car. And I said, Bubba, that's what we called him, Bubba, what happened? And he couldn't talk to me. And I'm walking closer to him. And as I get close upon him, his eyes are open, but there's fire in both eyes. And he couldn't speak. And I remember some years later sharing this with a pastor in Germany. And when I told him that that pastor got up and screamed and ran out, and he said, oh my God, oh my God. I looked at him, what's wrong with you? He said, the eyes are the gateway to the soul. He said, God showed you that your brother was in torment when you seen the fire in his eyes. He was being tormented in the flames. Paul wants to prevent this from happening. Jesus Christ does not want any human to perish. And that's what he told Nicodemus that night. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And what follows? That whosoever what? Believe in him. Y'all sleep here. Come on, wake up. Shall not what? Perish. But have everlasting life. Why? Because what the words coming out of Jesus' mouth, they're the pure gospel. The gospel from God, because Jesus said, the words I speak are not my words, but those of who? Him who sent me, my Father who sent me. These are his words. So God just spoke to Nicodemus that he didn't want me in the parish. And now someone was changing this <coughs> gospel? <coughs> To another, and Paul said, which is not another because you just can't change the truth of God. What you just brought is a lie. Okay? It just brought a false doctrine. And that's what this whole letter is built on. Somebody coming into this church and lying to them. And the only way you all can be protected is that you must know the truth. And this, brothers and sisters, is the truth. John 17, 17. Father, sanctify them in thy word. No, he said, no. He said, Father, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. So if they're coming with something else, you better either get up and run or rebuke them sharply. So I endeavor, not in here, because my Bible says this. There is no other way of salvation. That's what this whole argument is about. We call this fancy thing here, and Zora, you will hear this at your school. It's a word called polemic. Polemic is two opposing forces fighting. It's another way to say that we're arguing or we're fighting. Okay? Or we're making war. And it's typically used in the Christian world. Okay? And so, anyway, he's telling you and I that God is not pleased here because, let's take a look here. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. And you see it all the time. People do it all the time, especially in this thing called prosperity gospel. You give God 10% of you give this offering and God's going to give you this. And then they'll go back and talk about seed time harvest. And I'm talking about how God provides seed to the sower. And, and, and he's talking about a bountiful harvest. He's talking, God don't want you poor. And I, I, I'm just... 
I'm just amazed at how many people don't read their Bibles. Because over in Malachi, God said, uh, you robbed me. And he said, and you will ask me, well, how have we robbed you? And God said, and what? And tithes and offerings. What does that mean? You have not brought 10% of your harvest. And that's supposed to be the first part of the harvest. That's what Pentecost was all about too. You know that, right? You're supposed to get 10%, Mr. Farmer. Because they were farmers. Or, 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 or Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Shepherds. 10% of the flock. 10% of the new crops. Okay, it belonged to God. Bring it in. And then he said, on top of that, give what? An offering. He said, so that will be food and what? In my house. And then God says, what? God puts you to the test. He said, try me. Test me. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven and, and pour you out a blessing that you will not be able to contain it. Now, does that mean God is saying, you give me a dollar and I, I'll give you $10? No. No. He said, I'll pour out a blessing that you won't be able to contain it. And he didn't tell us what all that blessing would be done, did he? But people go and they'll tell you, if you want your, and I, I declare, I've heard him say it. If you want your whole family saved, give a seed offering. If you want this curse to stop on your family, this generational curse that's been on your family, give a seed offering. So I mean give them a kid? No, 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 no. Give them some money. Oh. And uh, you paying money cannot get God to save your family. Jesus and Jesus alone gave the free salvation to mankind. John the Baptist had it perfect from the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Now, Jesus paid for it in full at the cross. Amen? But it's still asking for tithes and offerings. Yeah, he's still asking for tithes and offerings. He hasn't changed his mind about that. And I said, I remember saying to Dr. Larkin, one of my great, dear, precious men of God in seminary, who taught me advanced Greek, and, and, and he gave, taught our class on what we call the survey of the New Testament. And poor was he hard. Oh my God, Dr. Larkin about bust my brains. And um, I said, Dr. Larkin, we're sitting in advanced Greek at the time, I think we were. I said, Dr. Larkin, I haven't seen in the Greek where we're required to pay tithe. And he said, yeah, you're right, Sammy. He said, but you got to start somewhere, and the tithe is the beginning. <laughs> Other words, give more. You know what he said? <laughs> give more. Tithe is just where you begin. Then you go on from there. It's not in the New Testament, though. Mm. It talks about tithe, but not in the sense as we understand it, mandating you and I, because every Jew at that time would have known that. Okay? It would have been a new thing for Gentiles. And here's the thing. Tithes were given before the law was. Was it not? Remember Abraham? Coming back from the battle and he met this fancy king by the name of what? That long funny name? Melchizedek. Okay? Probably translated as the king of Salem. Jerusalem used to be called Salem before it became Jerusalem. Hmm. And before that, it was called Jebus. Okay? So it was called, he was king of Salem. And Salem in Hebrew means peace. King, not Irene, king of peace. And so, here we have it. Abraham, after he had defeated the five Canaanite kings and rescued, rescued his, what? His nephew Lot, yes? He took the spoils, other words, all that stuff that they had. Abraham took what they call a spoil. Another way to say it is booty. Booty is the spoils of war, all right? Collected it, 
And he gave Melchizedek 10% of it. Okay, that's the first place we ever see tithes mentioned. Like when, yeah, mm -hmm. from the spoils of war. He, he gave 10% of that to Melchizedek. Okay, what time is it? We got started a little late. I'll go just make a couple points here because I really want to get these kids out of here. They got school tomorrow. So he's telling you and I, which is not another gospel. In the bottom part, he said they come to do what? They come to pervert the true gospel. And they do. That hasn't changed. And we can see it down throughout the ages since the planting of the churches. But that has not changed, Miss Vicky. A lot of church history in those books, and I can show you. Denomination, whatever they want to call themselves, or denomination, the teachings go out there. Oh, it's this. No, it's this. No, it's this. It's this. And that's not what the scripture says. Verse 8, but though we, now here's the warning. This is the prohibition. This strong language here. And don't ever let it leave you. I'll read it over on the, on the New King James Version side. But even if we are and what? Angel. Uh, what? Angel. Uh, what? Angel. An angel. Because remember, angel was the first one who brought the gospel to humans. Are y'all aware of that? So he said, even if a heavenly being the heavenly messenger came down here with what? To preach, the to preach any other gospel to you. Let them be what? Let them be what? He said, any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse. Now, let me give it to you in the Greek. Let me give it to you in the Greek. Okay? Now, look at the bottom right there, at the bottom of verse 8. And Paul says here, if they come down with another gospel, this is angel, and it's the word for out or from, ek. If they come down from heaven, Uranus, or Uranu means the two are matching, and preaching to you, this is the word you, another gospel. Other than what we have preached. Okay? And he said, anathema. Let them be anathema. Cursed. Cursed. And that goes back, young fella, to teaching of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. Curses he, everyone that hangs on a tree. That's the same kind of cursing. And he ain't messing around here. Otherwise, let them be eternally lost. Let them die. We like to say it in our language today. Let them die and go to what? Hell. But he's saying, let them be eternally what? Lost. No salvation. And just in case you didn't get it the first time, he's going to do what? He's going to repeat it. Okay? Verse 9. As we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we, what you have received, let him be uh, what? Cursed. cursed. Let him be cursed. And I wonder why all these folks in the 21st century that can read, we got more people now in the world that could read than any other time in human history. Mm -hmm. And yet, they don't know this. Because the enemy have blinded them and they don't open their word and they don't read the word of God and they don't study the word of God. I got a couple of folks who still got Bibles on the shelves here that your ministry paid and bought for 
and I'm looking at him on the shelf. Better get them things off the shelf and dust them off. Your cell phone can't give you everything you need because there's some good references in those study Bibles. Stuff that you need to understand. What does he mean by a curse? And take in and give you the reference. Go back and read it so you can get a better understanding. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when the Lord chastises. No, I don't either. I'm standing here lying. No, I don't. Your drill sergeant stuff is coming out. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, verse 10, for do I know, excuse me, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. What does that mean, Shelley? I'm not here by popular demand, Paul said. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to keep you saved. I'm here to keep you on the right track, on the right course with God the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to enforce the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only. Only. So if you get upset, Take it with him. Don't cry. <laughs> Don't take it up with God. Because like he had said, you know, he ain't here to please men. Do we persuade men or God? We don't get to persuade God, do we? All right. We'll get ready to close it out. For I neither received it from man. Uh-oh. And this way, every preacher, every deacon, every teacher, because every now and then, you sit people down, Shell, and you teach them. Here's what every one of them is, Victor, when you, when you have your little group together, say, hey, hold up, open up the Bible and give them a one verse or whatever before y'all start music. Because you're still responsible for teaching them because you are their leader. You? For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. Uh-oh. But what does that mean? He's about to tell you. What did he say? But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus downloaded it directly into him by the Spirit. Jesus put the word of God, the revelation and understanding of who he, who he is and who the Father is. Jesus gave Paul that understanding himself. Jesus taught. Paul didn't have to go sit on nobody. Came from God himself. Well, the, understand this. The apostle was taught by Jesus. And they had to make sure that they got it. You can turn it off because we're getting ready to go home. And do understand this. The apostles didn't get the Holy Ghost until Jesus went back to heaven. Paul received the Holy Ghost when Cornelius laid hands on him. I mean, Ananias laid hands on him. Did he not? Yeah. He received his sight and he was filled with what? With the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Spirit entered him, Jesus began to, when, when he saw Jesus on that road to Damascus, Jesus loaded up in that buddy. Everything he needed to know. Because the man knew the Old Testament inside out. And Jesus showed him. I, and I often wonder how that happened. Boy, I would have loved to have that happen to me. He turned everything that brother knew in the Old Testament and showed him, that's me, that's me. That's what I would do. That's what I did. That's me. That's what I'm going to do. And that's me. Can you imagine how he connected all that to him and say, that's me? That's why he didn't have to be taught. Jesus showed him himself. Now, when you got that kind of understanding from the Lord, who's going to turn you around? All right. Shelly, you ready to pray us out of here? 
So it says, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. In other words, he was a good student of the law. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. He said, I went after them so-called Christians. But in, that, in his time, they were called what? The way. A good Matthew, where to go? It was called the way. He said, and I went after them. And I wanted to destroy every last one of them. And then something happened. What happened, Shelly? As soon as you quit yawning. What happened? Jesus. He said here, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. He said, look, we're nobody better than me. Not my equals. He said, my colleagues were not better than me. And he even surpassed some of his teachers. And the teacher he sat on was one of the top there ever was. His name was Gamaliel, one of the top teachers of the law. So that boy had the best law professor. Okay? Being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers, but when it pleased God, uh-oh, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He said, I didn't go to a man. You need to put the top one, 16 to the top. He said, I didn't go to a man. I didn't go to a man. Who did he go to? He said, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. He said, I didn't go to Pete and John and James. But where did he go, Shirley? How did this man learn all this stuff? So the media who taught him. He said, what happened? He said, I went to where? Arabia. Arabia. What's another name for Arabia today? Saudi Arabia. Because the Saudi family <laughs> bought Arabia and renamed it Saudi Arabia. Remember me telling y'all that? Yeah. So he went to Arabia, the same country I've been to, and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. And we'll stop there. You can shut it off. God took this brother and put him in a desert worse than Israel. And there, he was there with the Holy Ghost. As Jesus, you know how Jesus appeared to him on that road? Because he said Jesus came and taught him. Can you imagine that? I mean, how would you like to have a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus like that? Not in the first encounter that got his attention, right? But down in Arabia, the Lord teaching him everything he needed to know to be his apostle. And if you notice, none of them other brothers wrote what this brother wrote. Did y'all see that? You measure. Peter didn't write that much. Peter wrote first and second Peter. John wrote the gospel of John. He wrote, he wrote first, second, and third John in Revelation. Okay. Matthew wrote the gospel. James is the brother of Jesus. Jude is the brother of Jesus. And of course, Luke and John Mark are second generation apostles. So they did write. John Mark wrote Mark. And he knew Peter. He traveled with Paul. And Luke, the physician, wrote Luke and the book of Acts. And of course, we think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews also. And John wrote Revelation as he received it from the Lord Jesus Christ directly. Did I just cover the New Testament? Yes. I mean, other than what Paul, well, I'm, wrote, Paul wrote everything else. Except two, I think there's unknown or not sure of. Well, Hebrews and. Jude, yeah. Well, Jude is. Jude is listed. 
but he called himself a bond servant. And his real name is Judas. <clears throat> and James identified himself as a bond servant also. Okay. Anyway. Zora, will you pray? No, we want to pray for Zora. Let's send away in prayer. And we go home. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this child, this daughter of yours. As you get ready to send her off to uh, the Universal Mobile, as she began a new chapter in her life. Father, uh, for a moment, it would appear strange to her and she would have anxieties. And we hope that Holy Spirit, you help keep those at bay. And that, Lord, she will place her trust in you. But you're going to bring people alongside her that love you. And that, Holy Spirit, you're going to help protect her young heart. And she will have a familiar face there with us. She'll have our son, Marquise, and he'll have her. And they have to rely on one another. And as they meet new friends and learn different things and go to classes and, and, and chapel and, Lord, they get to visit the town of Mobile and even serve the people of Mobile in your name. And so we're asking you, dear Lord, to just do wonders in both of these young people. We love them. We, we're going to be sad that they, they left us, but we know it's for a great thing. And Father, we pray that both of them would be kingdom workers. And that's our prayers. And uh, Jesus, you place your angels watch over them this whole four-year time period. And yes, me and Shelly and Belinda and Clint, we're going to be burning that road up coming to see them. And... Um, Father, just watch over our babies and keep them. We're going to miss them. We love them. But we send them away with your blessings of, uh, of the Holy Ghost and that they will prosper and have good success because they're going to place their trust in you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the Bible study. And we pray, Lord, you continue to help us to be your shining light and your witnesses here upon earth, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. amen.